When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time we are toasting the greatest of all time, the ultimate Capricorn, Dolly Parton, with special guest Viva Sudan. But first, thoughts on Yellow Jackets, Step 4, Venus in Retrograde, Final Girls, Terminator, and much, much more. Thanks for listening. Mwah. Okay, calling all angels. Welcome back. Um, Capricorn season is trucking along, uh, as is the Venus retrograde, which is bringing us all to our knees. And, you know, brace yourself for Mercury retrograde coming next week, um, probably a week from the release of this episode. Um, But also, like, I think it's all kind of good. Not, not, Not the global stuff. On a personal level, I do think it's good. There's been a lot of personal redefinition that I think is ultimately helpful. Uh, A lot of new language and the Venus retrograde for me is helping me access Venus, which is, you know, appearance, uh, presentation, you know, the idea of beauty Um, and Capricorn, which is like so much about making it in our social hellscape. I'm really just, I'm in step four now. I'm really understanding what is not, what is not and has not been um, a viable cover. And, you know, I'm having these experiences of seeing these moments that are supposed to be traditional rites of passage in a person's life that just, for me, I like muscled through it, but I didn't actually fully experience it. You know, I just saw West Side Story, which I cannot recommend highly enough. It was so beautiful and I, I can't stop thinking about it. And like even Ansel Elgort was incredible. My mother had to remind me that he's half Jewish. By the way, when it's time for them to put us in the camps, I don't think Ansel Elgort is going to be my bunkmate. Okay. I really don't see him. I, I don't think he's going to be joining the other Yids, um, you know, when they start, when they start putting us back in the the ovens. I'm sorry we're already in Auschwitz stuff. It's only been two minutes. That's probably a luminary's record for me to bring up Auschwitz content. But regardless, um, West Side Story, you know, you're watching these scenes of pure romance and you think, I think I felt this in the past, but I think it was illusory. Or I think I felt this in the past, but it was... It was me projecting, I don't know, I was talking with my therapist about the idea that like narcissism, narcissism and like vulnerability to it isn't just like a pathology, but it's like an energy you project. And there's this idea of like living in this, living in an alternate reality if you want to believe it enough. And I think there's this sense that like when you're younger, you can really... have like a dopamine simulation of those cinematic feelings but they're not grounded in any reality does this make sense um 
I, I really can't tell if I'm speaking totally without basis. Um, I would ask you to tell me if this makes sense, but I'm not talking to anyone. I'm talking into a microphone. Okay, so speaking of a simulated reality. Um, and you know, like, I'm reading Camille Paglia right now. Do with that what you will. We are going to have to do an episode on her for Aries season just because, like, they don't get much more Aries than that. Um, but, you know, she's in this war with Andrea Dworkin, and it just makes me sad because, you know, when you're reading it, you just think you both exist in the reality of your circumstances, which is to say we know that, you know, Andrea Dworkin, who survives so much horror, when she would speak about her experiences with rape, etc. Um, and when she would, you know, go to book readings, she would have rows of women coming up to her and saying, this happened to me too. You're the first person I can talk to about it. And she'd have to bear that reality for them. And Camille Paglia, as the kind of antagonist, um, who comes from a different background, who comes from this background of what she would describe as like, strong i i strong italian like village people and like these this very strong matrilineal you know these hard women who could take care of themselves um it's a little bit that's her experience and i think obviously both have a lot that they're correct about and i think both have a lot that they they kind of lose themselves about but but i guess what's been fascinating for me is this sense of like not ego i i think it's just the projection it's the projection of what you think the world is or what you want the world to be and i guess i'm realizing so much there's so much projection coming from me that that is based on this idea of my life being manageable or me being able to cover it all up or it all working out well or it all looking right that just never really was you know those those romantic moments of one's 20s and one's teens i went after them and there are some purely cinematic moments that i did have but i wasn't fully there I'm not saying that's my fault. That's like, you know, trauma conditioning, but I didn't fully get to be there. And now I have to deal with that and kind of grieve it and like accept it, you know? Um, But Lulu and I were talking about also like the the way we look back on the art we made when we were younger, when we were 22 or whatever, and the shame we feel about it of just like, oh God, what was I thinking? But we also talked about like, there is such a a bravery and a defiance to that. Like there is this thing of like, wow, I really was banging at the walls of the prison cell and I found this way to like push it, you know? So I... I went out alone every night. I was dancing every night. I used to have like a blog about my nightlife experiences that no one read. And there is something to that where I'm like, God, you know, I don't think I was fully behind the wheel. Not that I am now, but I, I still was pushing 
Um, I don't know why Tony Collette is coming to mind right now. I think that's like also my favorite kind of, that's one of my favorite kind of performances, which is like, I'm thinking a little bit about Tony Collette in Muriel's Wedding or in Clock Watchers and not just Tony Collette. Like there's a lot of performances like this that, that don't come. Yeah. You can think a little bit maybe about Kate Winslet and Little Children, but there's just this thing of like, she can't fully get out of who she is, but you can see that that agitation and that shaking and that pushing. Um, you know, that inability to name what's wrong and that and yet that sense of like, I'm not going to I I'm going to pretend that things are all right, but there's another part of me that's like kind of trying to light the whole place on fire you know um wow um speaking of that yellow jackets which i've i and jay cornell have watched since you know the the day it premiered um i have struggled with this season because i feel like there was a mid-season just like slog but it's picked up the pace. The last episode, I was like, okay, the girls are back. Um, I generally love it. I think that thematically, it sometimes forgets the point. Um, and the point to me is, especially with these women characters, this idea that like trauma doesn't change you. Trauma just brings out who you always were. Um, and this idea that like, as these women try to, to move on from what happened, um, it comes back. And especially like with the Melanie Linsky character, it's like, we know this bitch is savage and we love her for that. And we, as it comes out more and more, like that's what's so interesting to me. And I do love the Juliette Lewis character. Like, you know, I'm a little bit over the like, this is such a Showtime cliche of like, she's a wild alcoholic. Like, I just don't find it that interesting. But like, Juliette Lewis being like, I'm fucked up. I can't pretend that I'm not fucked up like the other two of you is incredible um, and perfect. And like, obviously, you know, I think Christina Ricci is royalty. She's she's an Aquarian icon. Um, her that cameo in the matrix was unacceptable she should have been the villain i i just could not believe that casper uh one of our most emotional films ever made casper's deeply who is the mom in casper hold on everyone um casper 1995 is that lisa edelstein i i have to oh god devin sawa and casper kathy moriarty as kerrigan Kerrigan Crittenhouse, major role. Um, you know, really important that Kathy Moriarty obviously got really fucked over by the ending of um, Soap Dish. But she still is, she gives one of the great camp performances in Soap Dish, and she is spectacular in Casper. Um, Oh God, Brad Garrett at Fat, so don't tell me. Okay, so everyone, to correct, you know, your Jewish woman, uh, Jewish TV actress woman trivia, um, Lisa Edelstein is not in Casper as the mother. Um, 
she is the mother is played by Amy Brenneman. Uh, if you play that scene where she descends to talk to Bill Pullman, I will fucking lose my mind. You know, we don't even need to get into. Um, I, I I do think, you know, I credit my father. One of the great influences um, for me was the Adams Family VHS we had. Um, really, really, you think about Adams Family coming out in 1991 in this beautiful nexus between Batman and Batman Returns. We think about 1991 as the Tim Burton peak. Um, it's just you just can't top it. Um, Angelica Houston, who I was just talking about in the last episode, Angelica Houston in the Royal Tenenbaums, sexiest, sexiest woman alive. Uh, obviously Carol Kane as mama. And of course I, I love Adam's family values. I just think like it's this moment where I could, as a child could watch that VHS and not find it disturbing and really think it was like so funny and creative. And my father could watch it with me and be as um, as delighted. Um, so, you know, I'm grateful for that. Adam's Family Values has, like, we get Harmony from Buffy as the villain. We Of course, we have Joan Cusack, my father's favorite actress. There's the great Jewish character who's allergic to sunlight. Like, okay, I'll take it. Um, what was I talking about? Okay, I was talking about Yellow Jackets. I'm just like, my issue with Yellow Jackets is... I am tuning into this show to see, I want to see girls make choices about survival. It's Capricorn season, and I want to see them decide, are we eating each other? Are we eating deer? What are we doing? When those episodes happen, they're good. When it's about like flashbacks and drama, I'm not into it. In fact, I don't like any flashbacks. If you're doing a show with two parallel timelines, don't do any flashbacks. We don't need more flashbacks. Uh, I'm just against them. Okay. Um, you know, generally speaking, I'm really starting to understand that Capricorn just is the villain. Um, you know, if you think about, if you think about traditional narratives, the hero is inactive. The villain is very active. The villain has a mission and a desire and a drive. And the hero is really just reactive. You know, Harry Potter isn't really doing anything. The Avengers are always waiting for the next villain to come around. Capricorn is really the villain's time. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to be the villain. But the idea with Capricorn is like, I'm taking control and this is what I want. And that often does, you know, we just recorded a very special episode for next week, which you'll be delighted by, but there was a conversation about Scream and there was a conversation about Magneto and the X-Men movies. And, you know, there is just this sense of you need the Gil Weathers, the Courtney Cox character. You need the Magneto because you need that, that figure who's driving the plot forward because they want something. And that's very much a Capricorn thing. It is about ambition ambition is good you need that to and you also need it to quash the the cancerian sense of like goodness which is also totally egomaniacal um and you know capricorn if we also think about aries and libra we're thinking about all the cardinal signs there is just this sense of like everyone is driving forward their own ambition some of the cardinals are just more honest about it you know, the reason Dexter always says this, like, you can come for Gwen Stefani, but, like, she never pretended to be something she was not. 
Capricorn, I think that's a really big thing. It's like, you just need to be the villain because Aries and Libra got it. Like, they're already doing it. And you and Cancer need to, like, stop the sob story and just be like, okay, I'm going to become a Terminator. Like, enough is enough. Um, Why are all the James Cameron women Libras? Why is Linda Hamilton, Sigourney Weaver, and Kate Winslet, they're all Libras? Um, The thing I would say about that is that when they are being hunted by a true, pure boogeyman villain, is Jamie Lee Curtis a Libra or is she Scorpio? Um, Nev Campbell is a Libra. Um, Fuck. No, Jamie Lee's a Scorpio. Um, She might be a Sag. Okay. Okay. Nev Campbell's a Libra too. So, you know, there is this thing about the final girl survivor as a Libra, even though I think Capricorn is final girl season, I think the idea of Libra is this sense of who are you protecting? Um, Who are you protecting? And then, you know, once Kate Winslet is going to save Leo, um, once, once Linda is going to protect her son in the second movie. And once, um, what is it? Oh yeah, once uh, Ripley's going to save Newt in Aliens, you know, this is very um, James Cameron. You know, I love that line in Scream 2 when Sarah Michelle Gellar goes, you've got a heart on for Cameron. Um, once they're protecting someone, they're their survival drive gets activated. You know, it's a relational survivalism. I think Nev is an interesting outlier, but Libra is Libra is also a survivor. Libra is just a social climbing survivor. And Dexter described to me Libra as the nemesis. And there is this interesting thing, which is I think the Scream movies are very Capricornian. And Nev is... Sydney is like the inverse. Sydney is like, I actually have humanity and care about people and I just want to be a person and not like a fame-obsessed murderer. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but all of those women, that it's such an interesting use of the Libra thing, which is like, you have, you're a cardinal sign, so you have that drive. And, and it needs to be pushed. We need to throw you into the action. And that action, if you're not the direct villain, you have to be hunted. You know, it's it's hunter be hunted. Frankly, I think you should be hunting right now. Like, the world is, is, is being, you know, hunted right now. Like, you need to... It's okay to be ambitious, you know? Um, okay. What else are we talking about? Okay, listen. Uh, New Year's Eve was not great. I just want to say New Year's Eve 2021, maybe my favorite ever. Uh, there was a roof party. We were all in fur coats. We had to be outside. We had nowhere else to be. You know, we danced to Aqua. Okay. New Year's Eve 2022, I do feel like I'm witnessing the fall of Camelot. I am watching the scene that I knew just die. I am watching um, young men from New Jersey taking pictures, wearing, you know, shirtless with suspenders and a bow tie, and that is their New Year's Eve look. 
Um, and I am seeing the young ones. I'm seeing the Saturn and Pisces, Saturn and Aries kids embracing more elitist, dissociative, um, kind of culty nightlife that is not about like love or possibility. So yeah, I feel like I'm witnessing the the fall of Camelot. I'm 31. I'm dealing with that too. You know, do I even want to be out? Would I prefer to sleep? You know? Um, so it was a disheartening New Year's. Um, but it is a heartening new year. And, you know, anything is possible. I just, I did not, I, I will say the best thing I did for New Year's was on Thursday. I went to the fucking Russian Turkish baths, baby. Um, should I get a membership to the Russian Turkish baths? Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. And the question is, you know, this is the age-old question. If I get a membership, am I going to be a Boris or am I a David? As you know, the, the Russian Turkish baths, uh, the two co-owners have been feuding for decades. And you can only, certain days are Boris days, certain days are David days. So I need to, I need to weigh my options. Um, excited for acupuncture on Friday. Um, I don't know why you care about that. You don't. Um, this is a great episode. We talk about an ultimate Capricorn, Dolly Parton. I love Viva. Um, if you can follow the House of Sweat, she actually, like, in a very traumatic period in my life, she, like, helped me get in my body again. So I highly, highly recommend you follow everything she does. Um, and please, please enjoy. And listen, we're cooking Aquarius season and Pisces season podcasts. So if there's someone you're curious about, um, please let me know. If there's someone, someone or some cultural milieu you're wanting me to explore, like, I'd love to hear it. So thank you for listening and ta-ta. The Capricorn saga continues, where, as it has been established, only the strong survive. Uh, last week, we visited Diane Keaton, and this week, we are going straight to the top, to the throne, um, to the immortal one, the eternal one, um, you know, the greatest of them all, the great Capricorn, Dolly Parton. Uh, to do that, I have recruited um, a true fan, a friend, um, and an incandescent uh, beauty and character and presence uh, who has made New York special for so many of us. Uh, Viva Sudan, welcome to the Luminaries. Oh, wow. Can you introduce me always? <laughs> Thank you so much, David. I love, love, love <laughs> to be here. <laughs> I'm very honored to be on this, this show and to be chatting with you today. <laughs> so, uh, Viva, you know, can you lay out your own kind of lay out your journey with Dolly Parton and kind of give us some insight into that, you know, your coming of age with, with this sort of a thing? Oh, where to begin? She has been like such a North star for me in my career, but also just, I, I feel like I've sort of really gone down the slippery slope of method acting where mm. the, character that I've portrayed for so long, which has been this sort of over the top, 
aerobic sweat star. I really embodied for about 10 years of like, that was who I am, who I was and on and off the studio time, um, on and off the leotard. And I feel like Dolly is so much of that, like Dolly with the wig, Dolly with the glamour, Dolly with the, um, you know, the gaudiness, the over the top. It's, it's like all she's ever given us. And it's like, it's uncanning. Like I remember this interview with Jane Fonda where she was like, I slept at her house. I woke up in the morning and Dolly, the makeup and the wig was there. Like <laughs> I'm in her, like I'm in her little breakfast nook having eggs with her husband and she's in full face. Yeah. I mean, the commitment to method has <laughs> been a real, like, I don't know. I just have been very inspired by it. There's something so ridiculous about the commitment, the commitment to the delusion, commitment to the illusion that mm-hmm. I really, really um, respect. So she's been a journey for me. I've seen her twice live. So I've oh. really, I went and I've done it. Hollywood Bowl and then Jersey. <laughs> and wow. wow. Dress and drag both times, obviously. Pick an era and do yes. <laughs> Not as many people as I thought were going to be doing that. There was definitely like the chosen ones who were in full drag, like commending the eras. And she's just, oh God, she's such a storyteller. She is it. She's the pinnacle for me of this um, star, you know, the superstar. So um, yeah. You're making me think about a lot of things. And I think, you know, what's, what's intrinsic to her. And I think what is the, the line that the thread that she is always very carefully on is Dolly has to sell authenticity because to like the people of America, et cetera, and the people of her home state and the people who go to Dollywood, it's not drag. But she herself is very much winking at us, you know, and very much kind of like waving from behind the camera. So it's such a really, you know, Cher to me, I think is more on the drag spectrum where Cher is like, I am doing a full Native American headdress. I'm having fun, you know, and Dolly, it's like, this is ridiculous, but it's authentic. And like, that's this tension that she rides and i think that's been like the reason why she's so 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 popular is because it you never really know you know um and i think that's like a big factor with her is like it's tongue-in-cheek and it's real and it's both at the same time you know yeah and it's like her i think it's that deep commitment where she's even when she's home with just you know, a personal friend, she's still in the wig, in the makeup. Yes. Like she's authentically committed to this characterization of herself. It it is her. It's just a playfulness. And I really think like, it's just, I don't know how she's always been. You look at like old photos of her from high school. She's got the big hair. She's got the blonde, like 
the makeup before, you know, the money and the this extravagance that she could take it in. It's always just kind of been her way. Um, yeah, let's let's start there. So um, we are looking at her chart. Um, her chart, Dolly is a double Virgo. Oh, um, yes. So Dolly's chart begins and ends in Virgo, and she has her moon in Virgo. So we know that Dolly's a Capricorn, which we will get into, but she is a double Virgo. Virgo, you know, Virgo is very much about presentation. Virgo is very much about the form and the drawing of the lines of the form and the kind of deployment of the form. And when you're a Virgo rising and you're a Virgo moon, there is this thing about, um, I always say like Virgo rising, it's like they need to, um, it's about choosing your entrance. Mm. With this, there's this sense of like, okay, I am going to create the ultimate Barbie doll of myself that I'm going to launch into the world. Um, I definitely think, you know, we know with Dolly Parton, she is extremely private. Um, and like, no one besides I think Jane Fonda knows what her husband Carl Dean looks like. Um, okay. So there is just this aspect of like, hyper execution. And this like, you know, Listen, Fiona Apple's a Virgo. I mean, she's a total fucking, she's the opposite. She's, there's no sense of, um, of this, you know, it's a spectrum. I think you have the Fiona Apple type Virgo energy, which is just like, I don't care. I've been like ruined, you know, let me just, let me meet you in the ruins. Like I am kind of a woods witch. You then have more the Dolly Parton Beyonce Virgo energy, which is like, if you're going to see me, I'm in control of how you're seeing me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really effective for her um, because she gets to then like create the the effigy, you know, she gets to create what we're consuming, um, mm -hmm. which is important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I recently went to Dollywood and their museum is Whoa. there. Which, wow. Okay. I actually went twice this summer reveal. So wow. I went at the beginning of the summer on a road trip and I'm going to give a little quick side advice for Dollywood attendees. So <laughs> I went very excited, right? Of course, this was like the epiphany, the epitome of all things that I wanted to do in a pandemic in the end of the world. I needed to go to Dollywood, went with some chosen family and we got there and we're like, okay, what should, what, what's the day? What's the trajectory of the day? So we decided to leave the museum the end of the day as sort of like the you know the ceiling of the container right do the rides run around see the things la 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 and um don't do that okay because the museum closes an hour earlier than the rest of the park and so we got to the museum and it was closed and we had been there all day acting a fool running around but oh, no. nothing, everything else of the park is like smoky mountains music it's not dolly shaped rides, which is sort of what I thought. Okay, so get ready for that. It's it's very beautiful and there are great rides, but it's like 1800s Tennessee. It's not dolly, really. So I had to return. So a few months later, I convinced my mom to go with me again. <laughs> and I returned to Dollywood. <laughs> and I spent- Triumphant. <laughs> And I spent three and a half hours in that 
goddamn museum. (laughs) Wow. It is remarkable. It is totally worth the trip. I will like to go annually. I was so inspired, but talk about double Virgo Capricorn. I mean, she has saved everything, every play book, every like receipt from going on the studio of the set of, you know, uh, nine to five, like it was incredible. All her awards, I mean, and there's a hologram of Dolly. So talk about the entrance. She literally has wow. this hologram that she's made probably 15 years ago now of her giving this speech, this poetry about, you know, welcoming us into her realm and into her world and all the memorabilia. I mean, it was like, I, I, I have chills right now. It, was, it really affected me. <laughs> and I'm still processing why it affected me so much. Um, just such care into the story of Dolly Parton, into this crafted, you know, character that is her story. Her mother, you know, her, there's all these, you know, little write-ups and her mother sewed all the, you know, fabric of the little house. That's the replica of their house. I mean, it's all very, you know, her cousin did this, her uncle did that. I mean, it's like, it is the Parton. You know, like it's real, but it's an amusement park where, you know, there's a fantasy attached to it, but everybody's in on it. I don't know. It's just, it's so interesting. And the people. Yeah, there's a few things. That's like, thank you for sharing that because, you know, her moon, Dolly's moon is at the very end of her chart. It's in the end of her 12th house. It's in Virgo. Um, I think of a Virgo moon as like very high priestess, very ritualistic. Um, And just because Virgo is like the, you know, you have that virgin imagery and the moon you think of as like the the matriarchal, the maternal, I am the, the carrier of my history. So there is this idea with her. And I think this is what makes her such a great songwriter. You know, even you just describing the fabric, I was like, okay, here we go with Coat of Many Colors, you know, like this self-mythologizing and mm. this ability to turn life experience into this this kind of spiritual like liturgical um work i think is so key to all of it and like i love that going to the museum for you is this kind of moving divine experience because it is this like ability to mythologize one's life um and one's upbringing in this really um perfect way you know yeah that's a really good point she does feel like a myth and then Mm -hmm. like to see her live is like i mean i've seen her in her you know elder years because of my age i mean i saw her about 10 years ago and then maybe like four years ago and she she wears these looks as we know that are very flamboyant and sparkly but like the way the lighting it's like she literally is just this like beam of light you can't even really see her form anymore like yeah i don't know it's it's and her music it's true her music her lyrics are are like these like fables or these like you know like stories that have these like morals that are just like pure and simple as her tour was called (laughs) (laughs) okay just like she brainwashed me like i'm there i'm I'm drinking the kool-aid like i'm i'm fully like take me as i am and she's like here 
<laughs> you know, it's so interesting. Dolly Parton and Diane Keaton are born the same year, um, oh. same month of the same year, apparently. Um, and yeah, they're born like a few weeks apart. And something I was talking about with Diane Keaton is that Diane Keaton is Jupiter and Libra, and so is Dolly Parton. What does that mean? Um, Jupiter is like this planet of light and wisdom and kind of, it's this big magnet. There's this spotlight wherever it goes. And it's in Libra. Libra is so much about like um, very, I'm going to use this word, common standards of beauty. Like Libra is very much about like, it's a little gaudy. Libra is about surface beauty in a lot of ways. So mm -hmm. who are Libras? We have Cardi B, we have Kim Kardashian, right? Um, Fran Drescher is a Libra. You know, it's this presentation of beauty. And we were talking last week about how Diane Keaton, you know, for all the ways that Diane Keaton is so different and unusual, she's also really good at being like, I'm doing a Nancy Myers film and every middle-aged woman on earth is going to lose it you know i'm not she's not highbrow in that way and i think dolly parton dolly's jupiter's in libra too it's in her third house of uh self-expression which i think is really interesting and i think dolly parton is really able to play with that too of like i'm not better than anyone my story is your story my story is america's story like and and i loved how you were describing dollywood where it's like you're not going on a dolly ride you're in dolly's world but you're also kind of in dolly's america um mm -hmm. and i think that's very much a, a part of it which is like i can play with being like you quote unquote even though she isn't you know literally i mean like you go into like this side area and it's this whole huge building that's like her as this like no like like none of us like all of her <laughs> achievements and accomplishments all the photos with every famous person ever it's like okay you're not just like us but then you right. go on the like steam you know train ride and the attraction is the woods which was like so beautiful like you just went around in the woods and that's what you looked at. Not like her and her memorabilia and like this kind of, there was like a level of taste that I was like, yes. hmm, okay, like put it in a building over there. You can go in if you'd like, and it's totally ridiculous and a fanfare. Or you like I did the first time, <laughs> you can enjoy the, the park just as the Smoky Mountains and the history that she's also weaving into her story that is not just hers. Yes. So, genius again. <laughs> and it's interesting because, you know, you know, my uh, my chosen one, uh, Timothee Chalamet is a Capricorn. And, you know, Capricorn is so, I'm here to take over the world. I am the imperial, you know, I am the ruler, um, bow to me. But, and you know, someone like Timothée, right? Uh, or actually I would say this about Sade too. Like oh. they have that, that majesty. Dolly is really good at saying, you know, we know she is world dominator, but I think she's able to play with the Libra thing of like, I'm just like you. Mm -hmm. You know, Libra is is really able to see like, and I think, you know, this is, Kim Kardashian played into something in the culture where she was like, 
this is what people want to believe or want to see and i can give that and i think dolly dolly has neptune and jupiter and libra in her second house of this is the second house of self-worth but i think of it as the second house of like what you wear it's like um your the values you wear and dolly's like she's not ever going to share her politics um she has her her moon is in her 12th house she's very private about her politics and she's very good at at this common you know it is coat of many colors it is a fantasy which is neptune neptune's the planet of fantasy the fantasy of equality libra is the sign of equality the fantasy of we're all americans i come from nothing you know and and she does sell it yeah i feel like you know some fans i would say too have been kind of like all right girl you know how many decades later and you're still in this kind of tone you know and that has been a bit of friction i feel like yeah with you know like especially in in our climate of like where are you dolly you know haven't you earned so-called your stripes that now you can say whatever you want but she really does like consistently keep that anchor of just like how she's presenting herself from the 60s until now is pretty much like she's like she learned how to do it and she's been sticking to that script like you know it's kind of interesting like she really has because I've been like to prepare I was kind of watching old interviews and then mm. current interviews and like she she's got the same jokes like she repeats yes. sort of <laughs> But somehow, I don't know. I'm just like here for it. Like, <laughs> I agree. Um, no. You know, Capricorn, when we're talking about Sag Divas, mm. Sag Divas, you got Miley, JoJo, Nicki Minaj. Mm. Um, you do have, you know, you have Tina Turner, you have Britney, you have Christina. So there is definitely, um, you know, longevity, but Sag is so just like, I'm here in this moment and I'm going to fucking like attack it. I don't really know what I'm doing next. You know, Nicki Minaj is um, very in the moment, let's just say, right? Um, Dolly is way more up there with the the David Bowie's, the Sade's. Dolly is way more, and even, you know, Ricky Martin's a Capricorn, and no, that bitch is going to be here until the end of Honestly, time, you know? and consistent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, still relevant. Like, he died right? his hair, everybody freaked out, like, a year ago. Like, right. <laughs> we're still watching. <laughs> Capricorn is like, I need a, um, I need a grand plan. And yeah. I need to make sure that I'm going to be here. And mm -hmm. Capricorn is not really going to veer off course. Um, so, yeah, I, I love what you're saying with Dolly, where it's like she kind of like she picked her plan and this is her avenue, um, which is smart because I think she does have the last laugh. You know, in a similar way, if we think about like Elizabeth II, who's a Taurus, um, so another Earth sign, you know, if you're a woman who's been alive and in the public eye for the last 50 years, feminism has gone through so many radical um, ups and downs. And I think that that earth sign thing, I'm not saying it's the, the, the choice to make or the best choice, but I understand that earth sign thing of like, I am sticking to my path mm -hmm. and I'm not going to get tied into any one era or another. Like, don't pull me into this, you know? 
Mm-hmm. It's again, like nodding at this mythology where she's like, I'm not on, like, I've come to visit this world, but like, I'm not, I'm not getting too caught up in all this. Like I'm here to like take the mic and, and sing, <laughs> you know, yes. and, and like, that's just what she's kind of chosen as her narrative. Like, and she, she seems kind of fine with that. I mean, I see why people are like, you know, but you're like, a, I, an icon, a role model, you have this huge platform, you know, but I don't know. I think that it doesn't always have to mean that you have to have a platform for every issue. Well, the other thing is Dolly has Lilith and Scorpio. Um, I do too. And Lilith is um, the archetype of the punished woman, of the gaslit woman, of the exiled woman. She's the woman who's been kicked out of the Garden of Eden. She's the she-demon. She's the hag. And when Lilith is in Scorpio, Scorpio is very much about sexuality. And she has this in her third house of self-expression. And, you know, I keep thinking about that Barbara Walters interview where Barbara (laughs) Walters, it's like, it does again we want to talk about like phases of women's perception like the way that barbara walters talks to dolly parton it's like girl read the room (laughs) like wow like i just watched it i'm like rewatched of course i visited before but i mean just like do you you know would we call you a hilly hillbilly like you've never met a country person before (laughs) bro like where have you been like only on the hamptons like it's It's crazy and uh, Dolly just like, that's something I so admire about her is it's like, she's always, it felt like she's always had this really deep sense of knowing who she is and having a confidence in that. Like, yes. And so, so she just like, it's like, she just breezes by it. Like, boom, she doesn't avoid it. She's just very like, I am who I am. Like, these are my values. And like, you can tell in her body language, like she's just looking right into Barbara Walter's eyes. Like she's not looking away and fluttering and being this sort of blonde, you know, back backwards Barbie cliche. She's looking straight at her and being like, I'm a businesswoman in the entertainment business. This is a yeah. joke. That's what this <laughs> is. Do I need to spell it out to you? Like it's genius. And like, that is something that Snead always talked about is like, I sing and I'm in business, you know, like she doesn't go on this flowery thing of like, I am this artist and I'm here to express myself. Then like, I have a a talent. My voice is my talent. I'm a storyteller and I'm I'm interested in business. And I've always been like, Ooh, Ooh, like, yeah. I don't know. Just she's like the ultimate boss. bitch. (laughs) I agree. And, but it isn't, um, (laughs) To me, it's a little more authentic than like, okay, I think I have made my opinions about Taylor Swift, you know, kind of known, but Taylor Swift, I'm like, okay, so you're just a ruthless businesswoman and that is okay. I -hmm. wish you would kind of own that because there's this thing with Taylor Swift of like, you know, she's she's this like raw soul blah 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 and it's like no she really is like a, a girl boss and that's okay but I-, I wish we didn't have to like perform otherwise dolly parton i do like that she's like i am a capricorn everyone like let's all not forget that and that's why the barbara the barbara walters interview is like so ridiculous because 
Dolly is like really like winking with two eyes at her. You know, it would be like speaking of other Capricorns, it would be like with David Bowie if you were like, "So, are you Ziggy Stardust?" Like, you know, he it, it's so like you're missing the point. I created this thing. This is like my job, you know? Literally. Yeah. Yeah, it's true because, you know, Taylor Swift too does this kind of like I'm a songwriter thing. Right. And like <laughs> I just, yeah, I need to go down that road. Never mind. <laughs> I understand. Um, I had to go to a concert with my niece like a couple years ago. It's like an, an auntie moment. And I just was like, I was like, you know what? Let's go social experiment. Like, let's, let's see what's going on. Open, you know, open your heart. No, no, no. Wasn't it? That's too bad. <laughs> wasn't it? Thank you for confirming that because, uh, uh yeah, I've been gaslit by uh, by a lot of gay men who are like, no, like we, you got to be a Swifty, and it's like I don't know that that's what is it? The path. What is Swifty? I don't get it. I can't. I right. can't. can't. <laughs> right. Um, give me a fantasy. Um, give me a fantasy exactly. With Dolly, um, a big thing in Dolly's chart is this: Dolly has a huge opposition between her Capricorn and her Cancer. Mm. So Capricorn and Cancer we know is uh, two sides of a coin. Um, they're both signs considered with survival. Um, Capricorn's the, the father, Cancer's the mother. Um, Capricorn is the state, Cancer's the tribe. And she has them really interest in interesting places. Her Capricorn planets are in her fifth house of creative identity. And her Cancer is in her 11th house of audience. And I just wanted to point that out because she has Saturn and Mars in Cancer, which is really difficult. Uh, there, It's a very strong challenge to your individuality and identity. And I think what Dolly has given and what she's, because her career has gone through a lot of ups and downs. First of all, I think there is a mother archetype that she has really come to embody. For all the ways that she is this businesswoman um, and this kind of titanic force and this survivor, she understands that she is playing mother to an America, an America that may or may not exist and an America that may always be in the past or on the brink of being lost. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big aspect of it. I, the 11th house deals with audience and kind of community and values. And I think there's something about what's made her really brilliant is not, this is my, you know, we think of a Capricorn like Annie Lennox. I think Annie Lennox is like, I'm an artist and this is what I'm exploring right now. I think the cancer with Dolly brings in this aspect of like, babe, how are you going to get your audience to be with you? How, who are you capturing? Whose, whose imagination do you need to be like saving right now? Who do you need to be nurturing right now? Because I think what Dolly does and I, you know, what the, the fantasy of Dollywood does is I am nurturing the people of this country who feel unseen, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, we think about the dark side of that, which is very much like the Trumpy stuff, but Dolly is the maternal side of that, which is, I am going to really keep this idea of what my audience is in mind in a mm -hmm. really profound way, I think. 
Well, hello, the Imagination Library, which is like yes. this philanthropic project she's been doing for God knows how many years now. I mean, she's, it's like, she's kind of like looking at this broken America and being like, well, let's give the kids some books, you know, exactly. like, <laughs> I, you know, like, yes. what can I do? Like, let's, you know, let's build some homes after the fires in the Smoky Mountains. Like, let's try to rebuild. Let's try to rebuild. Like, remember yes. where we came from. Like, remember, you know, this, it is pure and simple and it can be a bit, you know, like, okay, but hey, I mean, someone needs to do that. Someone needs to be giving books to kids who, who you know, don't have the opportunity to read. I mean, everybody's got their place. And I feel like she's just that, that cancer, that mother, that like home, that like, when you listen to her music, you do feel like grounded and, and sort of like hugged by her. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's smart because we know she's really private. We know about her, her moon uh, is in the 12th house. She has Pluto and Leo in her 12th house. We know that I think there's probably sides of her and sides of her expression that, that we don't see. And also I just think being someone, you know, she's writing like a song a day. I think a songwriter in a lot of ways is very private. Um, and Capricorn's pretty private. So I think she probably has ideas about her creative identity that may differ to what she needs to put out to stay relevant. And I think that what the cancer in this 11th house does, maybe more than, you know, who knows, maybe more than one would like for their own personal sake, It it is this sense of like, okay, girl, you have been chosen by a certain audience you have to serve this certain audience and this is you know she's had such a versatile career but there is this sense of like she isn't going to be like david bowie or annie annie lennox in terms of capricorns where she just gets to say like "Fuck it this is the new me there is this sense of like what you do means something to this to this socioeconomic socioeconomic to women to all of these people in this certain i mean she you know she resonates with people all over the world obviously but i think her american resonance that's where she has to kind of sacrifice herself to be like you know what i can be the jesus on the cross for this for this milieu you know right the saint dolly yes you know that's like who knows where that rhetoric came from <laughs> but yeah yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, there's a podcast, Dolly Parton's America, which mm -hmm. I highly recommend. It's very interesting. And it's sort of, there's like an episode where they talk to a bunch of college kids, I think in Tennessee. And it's a real mixed bag of like, oh my God, yeah. I love her. Or like, oh, she keeps twanging this redneck thing that's just like, it's like this old, old mythology. That's just like, that's not what's happening right now. Like this fan, this fantasizing of a romanticizing of, you know, that, that backwards Barbie kind of um, iconography. But I think it's, she's just so deep in it. Like talk about commit to the delusion. Like she's just so deep. That's just exactly. what's on this 
like she's come on this earth to do that. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, meanwhile, she's like on the side, she produced Buffy. Like that's the other thing with her. It's like, she's on the side, like she has the, the million book project. She has her own amusement park. She produced Buffy. Like there's a lot going on. And I had forgotten like that she sang the song the theme song to that movie trans america which is like that's a political moment but like she did it in such a way where it's like well i just penned a beautiful country anthem for this movie like i'm not really involved in the politics <laughs> you know it's like so genius and she did that with nine to five where everyone yes. was so okay feminism and she really she's kind of played that same card that was like well, it just came to me, like put my nails on the thing and here I go. Like she's yeah. always that wink, wink. It, it's just her way of playing it. Like there's, a, you know, this moment where um, the three of them are like accepting an award for 95 or they're, I don't know, they're giving an award. It was kind of recent. And there was like a moment where Jane Fonda like says something about Trump and yeah. Dolly just like swirls in and it's like gone. <laughs> she really yeah. like doesn't want to go there and makes a boob joke and like moves on. Like, no. Well, actually that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because let's think Jane Fonda, I think is probably like the ultimate Sag. Um, like mm. that is, she's a Sag. She's going to say what she feels and she's going to take the heat for it. Um, and, and Jane Fonda knows that that's her, cr her cross to die on, you know, she's like, you know what, let's fucking do it. Yeah. Um, like I am going to be at, I'm going to get arrested, you know, Dolly with the Capricorn and with, you know, she's Libra Scorpio. She gets kind of judged extra for her sexuality. I think, um, she's got the Jupiter and Libra. And she has this Virgo, which is this this double Virgo, which is this sense of how do I want to arrive? How do I want to choose my deployment is really not going to do that. Um, it's just not going to happen. Um, and yeah, I think both serve, uh, both are useful. I think they're both, I think neither telling Jane Fonda to be more private you know, and then telling Dolly Parton to be more like outspoken, whatever that means. It's like, we're, we'd be losing something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a great moment. <laughs> and Lily Tomlin's like, what bump, bump in the center. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lily Tomlin, who is a Virgo is just like, I'm going to somehow find a place between you two. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, also, by the way, I, I was just watching this documentary about um, the, the gay producer who made Saturday Night Fever. And it's so funny, the, the premiere of Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta shows up with Lily Tomlin as his date. And it's like, what? Like, who set that up? <laughs> what was that move? Right. Oh. And what was that car ride like? That Actually, they probably had a great time iconic but a rewatch of that movie is like kind of dark it's brutal there's some scenes <laughs> it's like i think it's real and like ugly in that way like i 
I don't want to know, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. be in that world if that's what it's like. Honestly, Staying Alive, though, great sequel mm. and amazing rewatch. Oof. Staying Alive, I see having a huge influence on you. <laughs> huge. Like, <laughs> thank you for seeing me because it really, really has. Like, that was like why I moved to New York was like, I'm going to be John Travolta and Staying Alive. Like, I'm going to choreograph that last scene. Right. Staying alive, it's like, what if we took oh. Saturday Night Fever and had Sylvester Stallone direct it? Right. Like, <laughs> Iconic. Please watch, listeners, if you haven't. Staying alive. Oof. Yeah. It's kind of the ancestor of showgirls in some ways. It's, it, thank you. It really yeah. is. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about a few of Dolly's big years um mm -hmm. i looked up her first saturn return which started in 1974 and oh, wow. i mean okay. what a year she writes and releases jolene she leaves porter wagoner and um she releases i will always i will always love you i mean come on made so, reckoning <laughs> yeah that was and the time of being like i am not like your plus one anymore porter like yeah um, i mean thank you <laughs> opened a lot of doors but mm -mm. it's interesting because saturn saturn you know the planet saturn is really about like ownership it's about control and adulthood and like taking responsibility and mm -hmm. often it is this moment of like okay you're you need to get behind the wheel of your life that's your saturn return you're you're turning 30 take ownership. But other times, you know, especially when someone has a lot of Capricorn or a lot of Virgo, it's actually about relinquishing control. But in Dolly Parton's case, it really was a, a real Capricorn being like, wait a minute, I'm the Capricorn, like, I'm in charge. Like, I, I don't need anyone above me, you know? And by at that point, it was like, the Porter Wagner show, it was only the name of the show at that point. It was Dolly. Exactly. You know? Like she had eclipsed him. You know? Exactly. And who knows so, what their relationship was? There's all these rumors, but it, it was time to go, you know? And to write that song, just like driving home, it just popped in her head of like, uh, well, maybe I'll I'll like leave this relationship by sitting him down in his office and being like, I'm going to sing you Fuck. my I quit. <laughs> like bold. Ooh, it really is and that authenticity of her. That's like how she got through that hard time in her life was to literally write a song about it and sing it to the guy. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's perfect. It's uh, it's perfect. She had her Saturn return in cancer. So it's like, mm the capricorn is taking ownership and then the cancerian aspect which is like i am releasing my emotional authenticity i'm not just doing like ditties for porter wagoner i'm going to right. write some fucking like hard deep um i mean she did it with hair you know like you, yes. you can really feel that there was like um respect and admiration and like gratefulness for gratitude like for that those like six or seven years i mean it really like 
she learned a lot from him, but it was time to go. And he was such a dick about it. Right. Um, He sued her for all this money and was like, so not cute about it. Like, right. Turned on her. Um, but I do love that even at the end, like they had their little forgiveness on his deathbed or whatever, where she was like, I think it's been established that I'm going to live forever. Um, and you know, I still love you. Like it's so, uh, she has Venus in Capricorn, Venus in Capricorn. I do think of as like, it's very rich housewife energy of like, I don't want to be tacky, but it's very Edie Falco on the Sopranos of like. I have nice things, sorry. Um, and there is this thing of her being like, Porter, I love you. I've outlived and outlasted you. Um, Literally, so in the museum, there's like a whole <laughs> room that's like the Porter Wagner room where she like, is like, you know what? I'm gonna give him a corner of the museum of my fucking life. And there's like a video, there's a few videos early years. And then there's this big video screen on repeat of him like ancient sitting on this like stool and she, this is like his the the you know she sang to him as the final moment whatever so he's like this ancient you know being sitting on this stool and she's looking gorgeous standing singing to him a farewell moment yes <laughs> i mean it's like so capricorn and all of it is like here it is on repeat for all to remember Thank you so much for giving me my start in my career and look how it's ended for you. Exactly. I was shook. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Like I, I won, you know, um, and what's interesting, but I love you exactly. But like, hello. Um, what's interesting too, is, you know, the story with Elvis wanting to buy I will always love you to me this is a really good uh Virgo moment okay she's a Virgo rising in a Virgo moon you know Virgos are thought of as so neurotic because making a choice is the Virgo directive especially a Virgo rising all it comes down to for a Virgo rising is just making a choice once you make a choice the whole all of reality falls falls into place for you but Virgos are thought of as so neurotic because the stakes are always so high and they, they're indecisive. They can't make a single choice, you know? Mm-hmm. That moment of having Elvis Presley say, I want to buy this song is to me a definitive Virgo, Virgo, double Virgo moment of, because Virgo is also the sign of, of calculating your value and what you're worth. Mm. that's really a big piece of the Virgo pie is I'm defining what, what I'm worth and what I have to offer that moment of saying it's, it's stronger for me to say no. It's more powerful in this moment to say no, even to Elvis Presley to say, no, I will retain more ownership of myself and my power. That's major, you know, major. the power of no. Ooh. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because that was really, you know, she was still crawling up the ladder, you know? Exactly. It was like, and she was taking a real leap to, to, you know, break from this partnership with Porter and to also in that same swirl say no to Elv. You know, there was a lot of these kind of chess moves where like when Cher left Sonny and Cher and that 
whole, mm-hmm. you know, show, but also just brand. She kind of, you know, it took a bit. She did her share show, it kind of flopped. And it, it took a while for her to kind of find her way again. Um, yeah. And so that move kind of, I mean, it ultimately was, of course, good for her, but I don't know. I think these like chess moves, you know, and these, these icons that we look back on, like um, Dolly's, like it really was pretty, like she left Porter. It was this big chess move and she just like soared. <laughs> like, yes, it, just, it was like, like right away on tour, her full family bands, like, because she had these songs under her belt that were hers, you know? And I think she knew that when saying no to Elvis was like, no, I got to go run these songs around the circuit. Like I can't have him doing yeah. it. I can't do it. And it's to me, it's very, right. Because yeah, that's so right. Because again, her son, Venus and Mercury are in her fifth house of creative express, creative expression and creative identity. So I do think there's that sense of ownership. And I also think it is very Capricorn to be like, I'm not going to sell this to Elvis, but maybe like 20 years from now, another Mm -hmm. global superstar will want it maybe you know like that thing of like i I think like a a core thing of anxiety is this sense of like it's now or never and that capricornian thing of like i can say no now and i'll have another opportunity and a better opportunity because frankly like when whitney houston took that song like the world changed overnight you know Hello. And I didn't know, but it was like Kevin Costner's idea. I'm like, okay, side note, like, where is he? What happened to him? Like, genius. Like, also, though, I rewatched The Bodyguard. Mm. How was it? I kind of went down a Whitney hole, and then I was like, I got to pull out. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the whole moment. I, I always watch, the, there's always like the documentaries on a plane. I've watched all Always. Like, on planes crying. I just did the Anthony Bourdain on the plane. Oh, always. To us. Uh, and I'm like looking over at a stranger, like, but you know, uh, <laughs> that, like it just, um, it's a strange movie. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely of its moment. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I was sentimental, but it, it doesn't really hold up to be honest. Yeah, but the song. But the song. But the song. Here we are. You know. And it's um, like, and you know, I'm of a certain era and I learned that song through Whitney. And then I right. then I learned, oh my God, it's Dolly's. Like I had that trajectory. Me too. Um, I think anyone born around our age had that tra- just because if you were coming into any form of consciousness in the 90s, like <laughs> that song. The Whitney version was every it's it's everywhere on planet Earth. Like that's the thing with Dolly's like impact. It's like that song is like you can go to any country and they know that song, you know? And she's so funny, but she's like, you take the credit. I'll take the check. Like that's (laughs) like I've seen like tons of interviews and that's like she's has that line. I love her. I love a one liner, obviously. Um, And I just. Ah, it's like her I don't know what it is her magic like I don't know she's always got these like cards in the back of her pocket that she knows how to deal with these situations and it's just like people like isn't that you know doesn't that make you upset that 
people would think that, you know, you don't get any credit for this. Like people always digging right at these entertainers, these stars of how to dig at them. And she just always has like a little pistol. That's like, I'm these little jokes, these little one-liners that are like, they kind of just slap back at the person asking. And it's so good. Yeah. That to me is really the, uh, that's the Libra Jupiter, the Libra Neptune. And I also think that she has Chiron in Libra. She has Lilith in Scorpio. I think there's just a huge sense of like, I am not going to be judged again. So I am going to like feed these monkeys, but I'm not going to let them judge me. Like I am not putting myself to be um, ridiculed. Um, Like even a little of that mercury. Um, you know, there's a little of that like crab that's yes. like, oh, really? You're kind of like, you're going to read me? She reads it back. Like, and she's very quick. <laughs> um, because I think. You, pretty- wow, that's such a good point. Wow. Right? Mm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I don't know. I mean, that's sort of where I'm landing with it. But there's just, it's like she comes in with ammunition. And because she's this writer, it's like, they feel, they're like jokes. Like they're, they're. Yeah that Capricorn energy maybe is just like, or the, the methodical Virgo. It's like, she's planned that like, yes, part of her way. Like, I think she's, it is impromptu. And then she repeats them. She's like, Oh, that was a good one. Like, I think they come out live, but then she uses it. And she's like, Oh, like she's like this amazing improv. Like I do think some, a lot of her wit is, is just natural, but then she knows how to like repeat it and, and, churn it back out oh if anything that's work if the machine works this is very capricorn like right if, if the machine gets working we'll run the machine till it's dead mm-hmm. um yeah and you're right you know she has mars and cancer and i i do think there's a friction there there is there mars and cancer is very much like that mars that war is in cancer which is this very like ostensibly like loving and nourishing thing and it's like I can give, I can take a backhand compliment and I can give one too. Like I can work with friction, you know? Um, I guess the last kind of era I wanted to talk about, uh, the planet Uranus takes about 80-ish years to make a full return. So she's Mm -hmm. going into her Uranus return in in the next five years. But um, when you're in your 40s, you have what's called your Uranus opposition. So Uranus makes it halfway through your chart. Uranus is this planet of like upheaval, change, awakening, revolution. And we think about a lot of people who have their, you know, Tina Turner's 40s. Um, You think about these, your 40s as being this like kind of not chaotic time, but like Oh shit! I'm doing everything now, and I did just want to say, you know, Dolly, Dolly's Uranus opposition was in Sagittarius. It was in the '80s. It was 1981 to 1988, and I just think that's like a really interesting era because, like, she's doing a song with the Bee Gees. She's doing Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. She bought Dollywood. Like, there's, there's just this sense of that's when a lot of the Sagittarian energy comes of like i'm gonna try anything and everything um and i just think it's a kind of an exciting period for her and to note the wig choices of that era <laughs> really all over the place which i really appreciated because there was sort of a, a, a you know streamlined <laughs> consistency and then it really just wide open exploration <sighs> i mean um, yeah 
I want to say my roommate showed me Best Little Whorehouse in Texas over quarantine, and I think it holds up, and that movie is fucking hot. Like, she and Burt Reynolds, that Uh, is a hot couple. Hot. And at that time, Burt, wow. Like, that was a huge actor for her to work with, because he was, you know, Burt Reynolds. It was just- Yeah, you're right. You know, like- She's like, she's in this crazy bustiers and like her lingerie in that movie. It's like, fuck yeah. And there's like, all of them are at the museum. There's a whole like diorama (laughs) of that era. Oh yeah. I mean, she really committed to that role. I appreciated that. You know, I would have loved to see that on Broadway. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I agree. But with Dolly, she's giving it once. Um, (laughs) That's the thing. Um, Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so are there any other eras or songs or moments that you wanted to to touch on? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's sort of interesting that like there's been there. So we get to like the late 90s and then there's kind of like this quiet era where you read she's like paying for her own tour. There's change in her management. She's like going into Europe into small like venues. Like there was a weird kind of like 10 years that were like, where's Dolly? Like, and I was reading, she was kind of like, what am I doing? I'm on like this small tour bus going through Europe, like these tiny venues. Like I don't need to be doing this. Like, why am I still churning it out? Like I'm in the early (laughs) seventies. And then, you know, I don't, it's like in the last 10 years or maybe even 15, like there's been this like, like rise of Dolly again. She got a new manager. She's starting to, I mean, honestly, the last five years, it's been like Netflix, HBO, like every freaking, she's dropping something new. Like she sort of swung back around in this way. I mean, some of the stuff is like, I don't know, like her like life story through Netflix. I don't know what that was for her yeah but, yeah i saw that yeah um I, I agree there it's interesting you know her second saturn return was 2003 to 2005 hmm. and and there is this sense i i do agree the last few years there was a bit of a turning point i think where she's i think she was observing like the direction the music industry was going in a lot of ways i think there is this capricorn thing of like all right, how can I adapt to survive? Mm -hmm. And I think like when she's not in that, when she's not adapting, you know, she'll sink. Um, So I think that's a big part. You know, the last few years, um, Uranus, Uranus has been in her eighth house of metamorphosis in like the 2010s. And now it's in her ninth house of like, the ninth house of like expanding horizons. And I do get a sense that the last few years, there's just been this sense of like, okay, I need to, and you know, um, she had in, in the 2017 ish area, she had a Saturn opposition. Saturn was back in Capricorn 2017 to 2020. So I do think I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. I think these last few years she's been like, okay, the I need to, I need to tilt the game. Like I need to, I need to change this. Um, right. It's and, like I and, remember Dolly yeah. in her fifties, but then there was kind of this hole, and now it's like Dolly in her seventies is like very. Huge. 
like huge. And I don't know. She's just turning out the perfume, turning out the Netflix series, the new album, some like Dollywood got a huge investment where they're like, we're we're redoing it. Like there's a lot happening. Yeah. I mean, I went and like, it was packed. Like Dollywood is flowing. I did read that she like sold it back to her employees. Maybe a myth, Mm. great myth to have. Um, Yeah. And like, yeah, I just, I really commend her for, for having that resurgence and She's still the podcast also kind of brought her. She's like back in the vortex. Um, and it's like, she's this living legend and she's very much like, yeah. And, and sort of like, I'm already dead. Kind of like I'm the spirit of Dolly. He's already playing in this like godly (sighs) show he has, but like, it's really amped up. Amazing. That's amazing of like, yeah, she is already dead in that way, and like, which is she, really rare. Yeah, and she's like accepted it, and that that is her spirituality. And like, there has been always this sort of acceptance I felt with her that of like who she is and how she is on this earth and what she's here to do. And even with her death, like I was reading that she's been doing this like insane archival um, process of her vocal cords, so that mm. like she's recording like but I don't even know how it works but basically different chords and how she sings so that they can continue to make songs with her voice once she dies I mean talk about character form like <laughs> what it's just- that's that is amazing because if she you know her third Saturn return will be in in the early 2030s and you know she's approaching her uranus return and we're thinking about these end of life these late in life culmination transits mm-hmm. and i love first of all uranus return is in gemini gemini is very much about um the voice and cancer we think about your third saturn return in cancer it's like what can i leave my children and there's this i there's something about that of like in this very capitalist way of like um i am going to leave behind like mommy's always going to be here i'm literally leaving you my vocal cords so you can play them and like i'll be here forever mommy's never gonna die like mommy's always gonna be here you know and that's interesting because she is this like mommy archetype and yet she's spoken about that like never having children and Mm. always sort of feeling like those like Children of the world are my babies. Yeah. Like I'm a mother of all, like never wanting um, that pull, like never having that pull to like have her own children. Like I, I don't think it ever was like something that she struggled with or she's certainly never been able, you know, shown us that side. Which is very double Virgo to me, which is very like, you know, the high priestess, you know, who is my body is divine. I'm not going to give birth to a child, but I am going to be, I am going to be like um, a a sexual maternal vessel in a higher, not in a higher, but in a more like, in a more metaphorical sense, you know? Mm. Interesting. And one little note about like her sexuality and like, image of a sex symbol. I was listening to this interview and 
I forget who was interviewing her, but was like, oh, you know, do you know, I'm sure you get the like Marilyn Monroe or Mae West references. Mm. Like, what do you think about that? And she totally was like, nope, not at all. Like maybe wow. because of the blonde hair, but I mean, I appreciate Mae West because if she was quite a businesswoman of her era, but I always sort of felt sorry for Marilyn Monroe. She had this tragic life actually. And like kind of calling a spade a spade, like, I yeah. think there's this like glamorous, there is this glamorization of Marilyn that's like very dark. That's like, why are we holding on to this poor so image? Weird. Like she's so she had this tragic life that like, I don't know. I why would you want to like, you know, replicate that? You know, like it's because I have my blonde wig, like, no, not at all. Like, my name is Dolly, and I feel you know, and she just was like right back into her roots, her body, yeah. herself. And um, even Whitney so Houston like, too. I mean, that's, you know, Whitney Houston has the legacy obviously, but Whitney Houston's life was really, Whitney Houston, you know, we see this Judy Garland. There's a lot where it's like, oh, you didn't, you had the, you had this gift that got taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And Dolly Parton is like, of course, Dolly Parton's like, yeah, Mae West, because Mae West had complete authority of her career. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, that is really interesting that Dolly's like, don't deify me like that. Yeah, yeah, really. Like, I just got like chills when she said that. I was like, mm, there you are again, just like really knowing who you are and what you're doing with this facade that you're offering. That like, yes, this is just part of the game, like part of it all, like wink, wink. No, like yes. I don't pop pills. Like I don't want to glamorize someone's life. Like, you know, someone who was struggling with addiction and, you know, not belonging and all these things like, no, I, my core values is I don't do those. Like she, she's not at all in inside of those worlds. Right. Um, just because of the blonde wig, you know, yeah, I'm glad you like brought the power that of the stupid, the, the blonde wig. That has its own like iconography in American culture, my lord. Right, which Barbara Walters right couldn't. She she wasn't like getting that, you know. Um, and also, like that's why, you know, um, for for Tammy Faye fans, like Jan Crouch is an icon because Jan Crouch, who's kind of like Tammy Faye's like friend of me nemesis. <laughs> Jan Crouch would be wearing five wigs at a time. And it's like, okay, this is an icon. Like, regardless of what she's talking about, about Jesus and Hellfire, like, that we're doing something, something else is going on here. You something know? else is going on. Like, there's a, there's some acting. There's some method. There's some, you know. <laughs> Personae. Um, Personae. Here we are. <laughs> so, Viva, um, you know, you have been such a bright light today. Um, and I'm just curious, how can uh, people who aren't me discover you and um, be aware of you and, and, and Ooh, on your, well, um, and, and, and in your, in your line of, of sight? Yes. Well, the old um, social media platform that we all, you know, are, are there for better or, wor- or worse. <laughs> so you can find me at Viva Sudan, S-O-U-D-A-N. And I also, uh, run a movement method that um, is 
all about glamour and sweat and living your legacy and that you yes. can find house of sweat h-a-u-s house of sweat official on instagram yes uh and i am a big big proponent and fan of that um that hasn't been made clear um viva thank you so much for being here and um for all your insight and your um you know your grace and your loveliness thank you so much for being with us today well thank you i love you i love dolly and i love you all listening thank you so much The Luminaries is recorded with love in New York City. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe, share, rate, review, and etc. If you would like a tarot or astrology reading with me, David Odyssey, you can go to davidodyssey.com or follow me on Instagram, david underscore odyssey. And of course, be sure to read my nylon column and tell everyone you know about The Luminaries. I am excited for whatever the hell is coming next. Let's do it together. Mwah.